0: Hello, and welcome to Women Taking the Lead. Several weeks ago, I released episode 492, How to Release the Grip Imposter Syndrome Has on You with Kim Menninger. So many of you responded with follow-up questions that I asked Kim if she would be open to doing a live stream to answer questions on imposter syndrome. Kim was happy to do it, and we promoted that event for anyone who wanted to attend live and put a call out for question submissions from those who would not be able to attend or who wanted to remain anonymous. For those of you who missed that previous episode, let me tell you a little bit about Kim. Kim Mininger is an ICF certified leadership coach and consultant on a mission to make it easier to be human at work. She recognizes that the greatest challenges we face in the workplace are not related to our competence, but to our confidence levels. She strives to reveal the messy human side of the workplace and provide actionable strategies to help us more confidently navigate our work environments. Kim previously held leadership positions managing strategic relationships at EMC and Monster. She holds a BA in psychology and an MBA from Boston College. And Kim hosts the Imposter Syndrome Files podcast, and she leads a weekly leading humans discussion forum, which is free and open to all, right? So she's very experienced talking about imposter syndrome, and I would say she is an expert on the topic. Now, during our live recording, we answered questions and discussed the following topics. What causes the condition of imposter syndrome, the consequences of its development, and the ages that are most at risk? We talked about how to head off an episode of imposter syndrome before you get triggered into a fight or flight response. How to discern the difference between imposter syndrome and realistically not being qualified to do something. How to interact with others when you are both the youngest leader in your organization and the youngest person on your team. And this was a great question as well. How to manage others who are experiencing imposter syndrome. So you might not be the youngest person on your team or experiencing imposter syndrome, but you may be leading somebody who is experiencing imposter syndrome, and that is what's getting in their way. If you are new to the Women Taking the Lead podcast, hello and welcome I'm Jody Flynn, the CEO and founder of Women Taking the Lead, a leadership development company that helps companies achieve gender parity at all levels of leadership and in all divisions of the organization. We help organizations realize these results through coaching, consulting, leadership development programs, and keynotes. My goal is for this podcast to be a valuable resource for you, and others in your organization to grow in your leadership. If we are not already connected on LinkedIn, please send me an invitation to connect. You can find me directly at linkedin.com forward slash I N forward slash Jody Flynn. Or you can search on the platform for Jody Flynn. I'm very active on LinkedIn, so I should be at or near the top of the search results. Be sure to add a note to the invitation letting me know you're a listener of the podcast. I would love to connect with you and get to know you better. Now, here is the Q&A. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the imposter syndrome. Ask us anything. Mm -hmm. Uh, As promised, I have Kim Menninger here. She is the host of the imposter syndrome files podcast. And she talks about imposter syndrome probably all day long, has done tons of research on the topic, has done a TED talk on the topic as well. So if you haven't watched her TED talk, definitely watch her TED talk. Kim, I'm going to have you share more about your yourself in just a moment. But for those of you who may be experiencing me for the first time, my name is Jody Flynn. I am the founder of Women Taking the Lead. It's a consultancy and we help chief people officers, CHROs to achieve their gender parity goals at every level of leadership, We do this in a number of ways where we support women in their leadership roles through coaching, training and development. We also do employee surveys, consulting and training for allies and creating cultures that support women. Kim, tell everyone a little bit more about you and the work that you do.
1: Thank you. So I would say my work is pretty similar to yours, Jody, And I, I tend to describe it as helping people navigate what makes it hard to be human at work, because there are so many resources available to help us grow our skills and competencies, different trainings. But I always look at the world through the lens of what do I do when I know what I'm technically supposed to do, but I feel like an imposter or I get really nervous I don't feel psychologically safe enough to take risks. And so I try to really focus on those uncomfortable human moments and give people strategies they can use to be more confident and show up more effectively.
0: Yes. The logical side of me wishes work and leadership could be so easy, right? When X, do Y, all of that stuff. But the reality is we're human beings. It's messy. It's messy in a good way a lot of times, but the more we know how to navigate these things and allow ourselves to be human, the better we are. So Kim, I want to take advantage of you and your time. We had some questions that were submitted ahead of time. And if you're watching this at you know, submit your questions in the chat. We have a way of like scooping the questions from the different platforms where this has gone live so that we can answer the questions if you are watching and want your question answered in real time. But one of the first questions we got ahead of time is What are the causes of imposter syndrome? And what are the causes, uh, the consequences of its development? And then so it's a three part question. The third part is what age is most at risk of developing this psychological condition? So let's start with what are the causes of imposter syndrome, Kim?
1: So there's a constellation of different factors that contribute to it. But if we start at the beginning, a lot of it is rooted in our upbringing and our relationship to success and failure that gets established in our home environment. And so for anybody who has grown up in a family where if you came home with four A's and a B, your parents said to you, what's that B doing there, right? That sends a message that perfection is the expectation. And so we start to internalize that and it starts to manifest itself in lots of different ways of really thinking that we need to be perfect in all other situations and we start doubting ourselves. uh, it might show up in our relationships with our siblings. So if I'm the smart kid in the family and then suddenly I encounter a challenge, now it doesn't come as naturally to me as maybe things have in the past. I might have an identity crisis because I might be thinking to myself, if, if I can't do this, I'm not the smart kid anymore. So who am I? And so it's all about how we see ourselves in relationship to different areas of competency within our lives. So then you move on to, let's say you're the valedictorian in high school, you're used to being at the top of the pyramid and then you go to college and now you're surrounded by a whole lot of other valedictorians. And now you're comparing yourself to other people and thinking, I thought I was smart, but look at that person and look at that person. And you start to doubt yourself. And so you can see how those patterns repeat themselves in different phases of our lives. Then we get into the workplace. And once again, we've got all of these different competitive environments that are giving us different messages. And so uh, that's one of the primary causes. Then also just feeling different from the dominant culture around us, which is why we tend to see it more often in women, in traditionally male-dominated spaces. We see it more often in people of color or members of other marginalized groups, because when we feel different, we often don't feel a sense of belonging. We don't feel that same sense Of safety. We look around, we think other people are doing it the right way. There must be something wrong with me. Mm -hmm. Um, So so that can be a a significant trigger as well. Um, So there's a variety of different, even just changing from one. So if your career path is not linear, you're comparing yourself to people who have had a linear career path and you start to ask yourself questions like, who am I to be in this role when everybody else has this similar background. Instead of looking at what makes us special as a differentiator, we think, oh, I'm not qualified to be over here because I don't have the same background that everybody else has.
0: And you know, Kim, as you're talking, I'm wondering if also, I mean, I know imposter syndrome is universal. It's normal, it's human to experience some self-doubt, right? We we're used to maybe mastering a certain level of life or environment that we're in. And then that changes and all of a sudden we're the newbie or we've become novice. And so we're uncertain again, which is absolutely normal and part of being a human being. But what I'm imagining is that also in cultures where confidence is the expectations and is exuded. And I can see that, especially here in the United States where confidence sometimes is valued more than confidence. And mm-hmm. I think for a lot of women, that will definitely resonate not to alienate men. This can happen in many, many different environments. But when confidence is the word of the day, and you're not feeling confident, then that that can be like a disconnect. Like there's something wrong with me. Why am I not feeling confident? It must be my confidence.
1: Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. And the Sort of unfortunate thing about confidence is that we can fake it pretty well, and people look around and think everyone else has it all figured out. We look at everybody's social media feeds and see how wonderful their lives are. We look at everybody's brave faces in meetings and in different teams, and we think, wow, there must be something wrong with me, instead of recognizing that behind every confident looking face, is also another brain that has the same kind of self-doubt chatter that we have. We just can't see it. Mm -hmm.
0: And what are some of the consequences of experiencing imposter syndrome?
1: So from a mental and physical well-being perspective, it can do a number on you because it's often correlated with perfectionism, with anxiety. And you can imagine losing a lot of sleep if you're worried that people are going to find out that you're not qualified to do the work you're doing. You're probably going to be putting in lots of overtime, Um, maybe getting caught up in things where you're not getting a huge return on that investment, like redoing the same email over and over again, or perfecting your slides all the time. So that's exhausting on a mental and a physical level, it can certainly, uh, you know, be one of the ingredients of burnout. Also, you're not likely getting the help or the support that you are entitled to and that would help you to feel more confident because you're afraid of outing yourself by asking questions. So you're being more inefficient. You're trying to recreate the wheel yourself when there are plenty of people around you who would love to support you and have the answers to the questions that you Which have. Which is isolating, right? Yeah.
0: You isolate yourself as a result because you don't want anyone to figure it out. So you're like, I can't get too close to people because this will it will become very obvious what's going on.
1: That's right. right. So you might lose out on sponsorship opportunities, mentorship opportunities, because you don't want to be in the spotlight. You don't want anybody to get too close, as you said, and you might not reach your full potential as a result. You kind of play small as opposed mm-hmm. to the risks that are going to allow you to get to where you want to go.
0: And yeah, and quiet too. And, you know, is there an age that is most at risk for imposter syndrome?
1: It's an interesting question. I don't think so, because mm-hmm. I see that based on a lot of the conversations that I've had over the years, I think it's more episodic. And so just when you think you have it all figured out, the next change comes around the corner and you're right back where you started. (laughs) Right, because
0: at its heart, it's about belonging. You Mm -hmm. question whether I belong here, whether it's in this role, in this position, with this group, that sort of thing. It's, It's more like alienating yourself from where you are. That's right. And that can happen at any age. Mm -hmm. Okay. Now, when you were on the women taking lead podcast, you talked about um, the imposter syndrome as a a survival response. It was like fight or flight. So another question that we got uh, was, are there any strategies for heading it off before it becomes that survival technique?
1: Yeah. So we talked about what to do in the moment, but there's a lot you can do ahead of time. And that's why it's really important to be in observation mode. So as you're going about your day, your week, what have you, to be thinking about what are those situations in which you feel like an imposter. So we're often not present with our feelings, with our thoughts at any given time, we're just kind of on an autopilot. So it can be really helpful to slow down enough to, to notice, okay, I tend to feel like an imposter when I'm in meetings with people who have certain personality types, or I tend to feel like an imposter when I'm going into a conversation about a topic that I don't have as much information about that as I'd like to. So if you can notice those patterns, then what you can do is you can think about, well, how can I anticipate and manage those particular triggers. So in the case of, let's say, I'm going to be going into a conversation where I don't have all the information. Okay, what are some strategies I could use then? I might talk to one of my colleagues to brush up on a particular area or get some get some insights that I can bring with me. Or maybe I bring my colleague into the room with me so that once my you know level of understanding is maxed out, I can go to that person for backup. If I need them. And if, you know, certain personality types, then maybe I start building, I make an effort to start to build more strategic relationships with the people who intimidate me so that I humanize them a bit more and we have more trust and there's a different kind of uh, relationship there.
0: Yes. And what I'm imagining in my head is that personality type who asks a lot of questions, mm-hmm. right? You bring up a new idea and they have slew of questions and that can be intimidating, especially for other certain personality types. So I love this strategy of creating a strategic relationship with that person because they, the person who asks a lot of questions, they like being seen. As an expert. Right. And, and, you know, so if you go to this person before the meeting and say, hey, I'm playing around with this new idea, I think it might help us. What questions would you have? You're prepping before you get into the meeting and rather that person being intimidating, they will now be your ally because you consulted them ahead of time.
1: Exactly. And it, it it's such a powerful strategy for sort of turning it on its head. Right Now you bring that person onto your side of the table and it just takes so much of the anxiety out of it.
0: And that's what we want to do at the end of the game anyway. Right. This this looks like an imposter syndrome strategy. Right. For coping. But we want you to do this no matter what, like create those strategic alliances and get to know people better and humanize them. Okay. This was a really good question because sometimes we do end up in positions where we realize like, oops, this isn't a good fit, but you might be like, I'm not sure. So this question is, how do I know if it's imposter syndrome or if I truly am unqualified to do something.
1: Mm. So this is where you have to pick apart who's talking in your head, <laughs> right? So, we, you know, there's that, the sky is falling voice that's just trying to keep you safe and is going to tell you you're an imposter because it doesn't want to set you up for a failure. And it feels like if it screams at you that you are not good enough, that you'll listen and you'll stay in your comfort zone. So usually when we're talking to ourselves in extreme, like uh, very black and white, all or nothing kinds of language, that's that primitive voice talking. There's not a lot of nuance. It's not coming from a very logical place. It's more of, I'm being driven entirely by fear right now. Where you can start to separate that from a more reality-based assessment is if you might say like, well, what would I benefit from spending some time learning more about? Or could I have some informational interviews to understand you know, I have this much experience, how does that map to the day to day responsibilities of the role? Do can I do some research to find out does everybody who does this job have a certain skill set that I don't have and then assess whether or not I want to fill that gap. So you can see how that's coming from a much more analytical place as opposed Mm to, oh, no, if I don't do this, some catastrophic (laughs) consequence is going to happen. Right. And
0: I usually say if you've been offered a role or a position, it's because somebody saw the potential in you, whether or not you had all the skills, because let's let's be honest, like rarely do you have all the skills locked down that you need to be successful in a new role. There's usually some growth, some development that happens, but possibly go back and check in with the people who hired you or promoted you or sponsored you to be in this new position and ask them, how am I doing? And what could I be developing or focusing on right now that would help me do this be- job even better? Right. You talk, Kim, about that. You know, if it's coming from fear, let's let's figure that out. But then as a way to reality, check it, get out of your own head and, yeah. and get some factual evidence.
1: That's right. And one of the things I often say to people is if you have mastered every aspect of that job before you step into it, you're going to be overqualified and underpaid. <laughs> it's mm-hmm. not worth it, right? It's not going to be a challenge for you. I mean, maybe maybe it makes sense in limited circumstances, but we're the only ones that expect ourselves to be perfect on day one. We're the only people who think that there, you know, there should be no learning curve. We should have already... We should already know this stepping into the new role.
0: Yeah, a hundred percent. Okay, here's an interesting scenario. Okay, when you are the newest and youngest on the team. And for this person, she put, in my situation, this includes the people that I lead as well as my co-leaders. You know, it's it's another it's another aspect of the imposter syndrome that she works through. And so she was asking, do I take the little sister approach when it serves me, you know, but, but, you know, would she gain respect at the same time? You know, she's wondering when to speak out, when to wait, you know, and it, you know, just, just express like, this is, it's a tough situation to navigate.
1: Yeah. And, you know, with this one, I would, love to know what she means by little sister behavior, but I think you and I have some thoughts about what that might look like. And what I worry about with that is that you're creating a power differential that may undermine your own credibility or your own position in any particular relationship. You may have more limited experience or tenure than your co-leads or your colleagues, uh, but that doesn't mean that you are not on, you know, relative equal footing with them in your role. So you want to maintain your own position. And I worry that little sister behavior may compromise that to some extent. And I'll give you you sort of an example of what I often say to people too, is I often say go on offense rather than defense. And what I mean by that is everybody has a different frame for how they process information, and some people are going to be very expert in certain areas, and some people are going to have very limited information, and if instead of coming to a situation and saying, I'm so sorry, I know I should know the answer to this question, I'm sorry to bother you, Um, I feel so stupid, right, If, if instead you just say, hey, can you remind me what that means, or, you know, I know you have a lot of experience in this area, can you help me understand this, you own it you're not apologizing for it, you're not defending yourself in doing it, people are more often than not responding to your energy and the delivery of what you're saying, not the fact that you're asking a question. So if you're constantly saying, well, oh, you know, I don't have enough experience, or I'm too young, or all of these things, then you're just planting seeds in other people's heads that they're probably not even thinking at that point.
0: Hmm, And I agree. And my, my take on this was the little sister approach is a strategy, but it's also a mindset. And so I would, um, my take on this is a behavior that would be very similar, but has a different mindset is to take on partner. Right. Rather than little sister, because that's a power imbalance of while it might be true that you're younger, you even might have less experience or legacy knowledge than, you know, many of the people on your team or your co-leaders, you know, you want, you want to come more from a place of we are equals, we are partners. However, you have some insights that I may not have. And so I'm going to inquire, I'm going to include you, I'm going to ask questions, but the, but the position, and I love how you said that kid, like that, the energy that you exude that you're going to give off will be completely different. No leader has the corner market on all of the knowledge, right? And in fact, the further up you go, the less you are a subject matter expert. You are now surrounded by people who know more things about certain things than you do. So you're actually in a good position to develop yourself for senior leadership in this role because you're going to be back here someday. But don't undermine yourself just because you're younger. You were selected for a reason. There's a skill set, a demeanor, a knowledge base that you have that is better suited for your role than anyone else has, and own that. That is amazing. So, and before we get that, um, go on to the next question. I want to acknowledge Sarah was responding to where we were with the last question of, um, uh, how do I know if it's imposter syndrome or? if or if I'm truly unqualified, we were talking about um, negative mindsets playing into it. Is it fear? And she said, painting your own negative narrative and certainly positions for self-sabotage. Yes, it does, exactly. Have you been thinking you'd like to be calmer or more in control of your reactions regardless of what's coming at you? mental fitness is your capacity to respond to life's challenges with a positive rather than a negative mindset it impacts your peace of mind and wellness your peak performance and the health of your relationships positive intelligence is an operating system that increases your mental fitness and impacts all areas of your life i have an upcoming webinar in which you'll hear about the science and research behind positive intelligence and the specific areas it impacts. You'll learn the three core muscles that are at the root of mental fitness. You'll discover the 10 internal saboteurs that might hijack your best efforts. Identify five sage powers within you that can overcome any challenge you're faced with. And you'll experience a practice that will enable you to intercept a saboteur hijacking and increase your self-command. If being calmer or more positive interests you, I invite you to join me to explore positive intelligence and the difference it could make for you. To register for this webinar, go to womentakingthelead.com forward slash webinar. That's womentakingthelead.com forward slash webinar and share it with a friend. Okay, how do I manage others who have imposter syndrome?
1: So this one is a really important one because a lot of the tone is set by the manager. And if we want our team to feel safe to be able to open up and ask for help, we need to model that for them. So first and foremost, I recommend that you share your own experiences with imposter syndrome with them. The vast majority of us, whether we call it imposter syndrome or not, have experienced self-doubt at some point in our careers. And it can be really helpful to name that when you're talking to your team. So it could be when the team is taking on something new, which is just prime time for any kind of self-doubt or when you're bringing new people onto the team, uh, anything at all changes, Any anything at all that you do that you think is going to be a challenge for them, you might want to say, hey, you know what? When, when I was new to this role, here are some of this, the challenges that I faced, or I had a lot of anxiety around this as well. So I know you probably do as well, or you might. And if you do, that's perfectly normal. And I want you to feel comfortable talking to me about that. I want you to feel like you can come to me. Don't wait for them to ask for help. And don't ask them the question, is there anything I can do to help? Because they will say no. They don't want mm-hmm. to help themselves. They want to prove to you that you did not make a mistake. By hiring them. So they're going to suffer in silence and dig the hole deeper and deeper. Uh, So what you want to do is you want to assume they need your help and just give them lots of resources upfront proactively. You might say, here's some resources that I found helpful when coming up to speed on this topic, or here's some subject matter experts that I'm going to introduce you to that can bring you up to speed on some of the, the history behind this project that we're working on." Give them a lot of support up front without them asking, and then they're going to feel much more confident more quickly because the most painful part of imposter syndrome is in that learning curve stage. Once they get to sort of cruise control, they're going to be fine. It's that rocky beginning that we all have to get through. And so supporting them as much as possible, like the scaffolding that you put around them during that time is the most important time.
0: I I really appreciate you saying that, Kim, like preempt this. Don't wait for them to ask. You and I have chatted about how it's isolating you know having imposter syndrome you push people away you don't want to ask for help you don't want people to know that you're struggling because you're trying to convey this image of like i've got this i'm figuring it out i'm independent you you know i'm not a drag on you or anyone else even though internally they're feeling somewhat differently and you and i were on a panel over the summer where somebody shared like post promotion there was this honeymoon period of like this is amazing and I'm getting to know my new team and the new responsibilities. And about two weeks after starting the new position, the doubts started to set in. So I really appreciate this advice, you know, for leaders who have somebody who's new to a role. Just putting it out there before they even experience it. By the way, experiencing self-doubt, totally normal. You know, here's some resources in case you feel that. Know that you can come to me. Know that I already know that this is completely normal and we can talk about it and I'm expecting it. You know, so feel free to chat with me about it. It doesn't mean you're not qualified. It means you're normal, right? It's human. (laughs) Exactly.
1: Exactly. One thing I would add to that too, though, is that make sure it's safe for your team to make mistakes. Because a lot of times we're the ones that are struggling with imposter syndrome. And if we're being perfectionists, we don't realize that we are setting that tone for the rest of our team. And so we may be creating an environment where they don't feel like they can make a mistake or ask for help because you're not doing it right. Or because you have very high demands or high standards on yourself Mm -hmm. and on the team as a result of that. So you want to normalize learning as well.
0: Perfect. And the last question we got ahead of time, and I love this question how does one move past imposter syndrome and reshape, you know, our self-beliefs and behaviors? But then on the pa- once we're past that, how do we position ourselves differently in others' minds at work and in professional syndromes? who may have seen us while we were going through that imposter syndrome, right? So not only how do we get past the self beliefs and behaviors, but then how do we, you know, then interact with the people who saw in us like the self doubt, and the misconceptions that we had about ourselves?
1: Yeah, so I think about this in a couple ways. First of all, you cannot think your way into confidence. You cannot think your way into a more empowered state. You have to act, and then your brain catches up. So, a lot of making the kinds of changes that this question refers to is doing scary things that make us uncomfortable and finding out on the other side of them that, wow. I can do this, right? Like the sky didn't fall. Uh, I got positive feedback for doing it. And it's like a muscle. When you're building a muscle at the beginning, it's painful. It's hard. But the more you do it, the stronger you get. So you can't, if, if you're like me, you want the definitive textbook for everything. You just want to read all there is to know about imposter syndrome and confidence. And then you're going to wake up one day and be like, all right, ready to do this. But it doesn't work that way you have to be thinking about it situationally going back to what we talked about earlier of what are the things that are getting in my way? What are the the triggers that undermine my confidence or that make me experience this kind of self-doubt? And then what's the action I can take to address those head on? And each step of the way, this is not a switch you can flip. Unfortunately, if it were, we don't, we wouldn't be having this conversation, right? Um, each step of the way, you start to feel incrementally stronger and stronger, and so you have choices as it relates to how you interact with the people around you during this time. You could stay quiet, and they're going to notice changes in you, and you know they may or may not comment on that. But as you get stronger, they're they're interaction with you is going to change and likely for the positive over time. Another strategy you could think about is letting select people in on what it is that you're trying to do. So if you trust your manager, if you have trusted mentors or allies around you that you want to say, you know what, I'm really working on how I communicate in this meeting so that I show up more powerfully and more confidently, I would really like your support as I'm doing this, I'd love your advice, I'd love your feedback. Now you've brought them in as collaborators, they're invested in your success, almost like we talked about in that earlier example, they're rooting for you. Mm -hmm. And you feel more accountable for following through on the goal you're setting for yourself. And then you're not worried that people are thinking, why is she acting so differently? Wow, this is a strange version. So I think it's it's a, you know, partly dependent on how psychologically safe you feel in the environment around you and the level of trust you have with your colleagues and just a personality preference. But when you can bring other people into your growth and development, I think you do it faster and more effectively. Yes.
0: Two thoughts came to mind. One, if you shared your self-doubt with others it's probably because they were checking in, like, "Hey, how's it going? How are you doing?" They may have noticed something and like wanted to check in with you after, and you may have shared, like, "Oh, I'm experience. I'm just experiencing some self doubt. I'm like, just still trying to get adjusted to this position. I'm not, you know, I'm feeling a little unsure about things." That's fine. They'll probably check in with you again, right? And you might be in a different place where you're like, "No, I got it. I'm feeling good." Like in those cases. That will be enough, right? Because you will then be exuding, I feel confident, I feel good. And they'll be like, great, you know, move on. Now, maybe a case where others had experienced you, right? Maybe being a little hesitant, a little doubtful, maybe quiet in meetings. And they wondered, hmm, you know, what's going on? She, you know, you're not really stepping up or really taking things on. But as soon as that changes, right? Right people will forget that you were hesitant at first because you've come into your own and now you're, you're just doing the work. But I, I completely agree with you, Kim, your coworkers, the people around you, they are rooting for you to do your best work, partly because it makes their life easier <laughs> when you're doing your best work as well. So that they, they are rooting for you. And I had a client one time who wanted to leave the company she was working for, because she had started at the company when she was very young. Mm -hmm. And she just had this impression, right? And she said, I did a lot of foolish things when I was young, and I didn't know better. And I'm working with people who've known me for years and years, like, like, amen, she worked for at a company where like, people stayed, Right. And so like the same people were there from the time she was hired or the majority of the people were people who had known her for a long time. And she was so self-conscious about it, especially as she started getting promoted and taking on leadership roles. She was like, they remember me from when I did those stupid things when I was in my 20s. Right. And so as we talked through it, you know, she, you know, decided to like check in, step up, you know, find out what was going on for other people. And after some investigative research, Kim, she discovered it was all in her head. <laughs> Nobody remembered. <laughs> Nobody remembered. Or they were like, oh, oh, yeah, i have forgotten about that. Like it completely wasn't on my radar. And she her, like in conclusion, she was so her, her um, determination was, I work with the best people. Why would I ever leave? These people support me. Like they're, they're rooting for me. They want my best and they appreciate the work that I do. And I was like, amen. Right. Which underscores we have to get out of our own heads. Right. And check in. Check in what the facts are. What what are other people's impression of you? Probably it's more in your head that people are looking at you and diminishing, you know, your stature and your role, that sort of thing. More often than not, like people's motivations for what they do and how they interact with you have nothing to do with you
1: personally. Exactly. No one thinks about you as much as you think they do. And that's actually a good thing. That's a very liberating realization when you can get there. And if they are thinking about you, it's because they're thinking about how it affects them.
0: (laughs) A hundred percent. All right, Kim, um, no other questions have come in. So I'm going to assume we are good for now, though I did put in the chat on the platforms that, you know, StreamYard could reach that if you have any questions, you know, put them in the chat. Kim and I will be checking in with them. So don't. this is not a missed opportunity. We will come back. We'll answer your questions. So please comment um, and ask your questions. Kim, any final thoughts for anyone who will be watching? Watching this later as well.
1: I just want to re-emphasize the fact that you are not alone, that this feels so you use the word isolation, Jody, which I think is such a powerful way of describing it that when we get in our own heads, when we start to compare ourselves to the people around us, we shrink ourselves in a way that cuts us off from the meaningful connections, from the learning opportunities, from all of the, the, the potential to grow and challenge ourselves. And so to really pay attention to where we might be doing that and even just pick one starting point. Just mm-hmm. one change. And know sometimes when we have these conversations, it feels like I have to overhaul my whole existence. But to just think about like, what's one thing that's getting in your way right now that you can experiment with, take a new action on, start to think differently about and focus on that for a bit. And then you could start adding to that over time.
0: Yeah. Comparison will cause more imposter syndrome. It will only intensify it. And it's not real. Right. So we we want to try to pull back from that behavior. And if you're going to do any comparison, only compare yourself to you in the past, like how much progress have you made? How much have you learned already? You only need to be better than you were yesterday, right? Like, so have you gotten a little bit better today than you were yesterday? It seems like such a baby step, but like these are baby steps when taken every day, they compound And they add and you will be shocked after a year how much you've grown, how much you've learned and how much confidence you've gained because of everything that you've done and and how you've developed yourself. So Kim, thank you again for your time and your insights and your inspiration. I know everyone is, has taken a lot away from this. So always, always appreciate you joining me on my platforms.
1: Thank you. It is always so much fun to talk to you, Jody. Thanks
0: so much for having me. Awesome. And for those of you watching, add your comments. We will be back. Thank you so much for listening to Women Taking the Lead And if you are not yet subscribed to the podcast, hit the follow or subscribe button so you don't miss out on any upcoming episodes. And if you know of another woman or man who can benefit from this episode, please share it with them. Most new discoveries come from our friends, our family, and our colleagues. So be that person for others. And as always, I hope this was a value to you and here's to your success.